0: Welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 105. I'm your co-host Mike Parsons and as always I'm joined by the original thinker himself, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning,
1: Mark. Good morning, Mike. It is a day of delivering happiness here in Sydney, isn't it? How's it going? Oh, it
0: totally is. Those blue skies are bringing me happiness and we are going to delve into the world of somebody that we really want to celebrate who I think brought a of happiness to the world.
1: Yes, that is the uh, pretty uh, visionary as well as moonshot thinker, actor and doer, Mr. Tony Hsieh. He just created so many interesting uh, businesses, products, as well as frameworks, Mike. I can't wait to to really uncover what Tony was was thinking and what he was all about.
0: He was indeed a busy little bee, uh, Tony Shea probably most well known for founding uh Zappos uh which for for our american listeners they will be incredibly familiar with um but he also did startups that he sold to to Microsoft and do you know what he had two million dollar companies um but if that wasn't enough he also wrote a new york times uh bestseller uh man this guy did some stuff and um he deserves to be celebrated um, and most importantly because unfortunately we had this terrible news last week that he passed away. So whilst that is isn't truly sad moment for such a young guy, uh, I think it would only be appropriate to celebrate some of the amazing thinking uh, that he brought to the world. He was without a doubt one of the most original thinkers uh, as you've said, Mark, he's a bit Elon Muskie uh, in the his capacity to have big ideas, but not only that, Mark, he also gets them done, and that's what's so special about Tony Shea. Why? Why do you think Tony Shea matters so much?
1: Yeah, I, well, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there. He was a, a, an individual who got an idea in his mind, and as we've learned through covering, you know, 104 individuals already, it's it, once you've got an idea or a framework or a product in mind, it's that resilience to go out and make it happen, no matter, uh, you know, how tricky it might seem to other people. And Tony Shea was definitely one of those individuals, I think, who belongs in our innovators long list because, you know, he he focused so much on on people and customers. And I think he did rewide, rewrite a couple of uh, of the frameworks, Mike. I'm, I'm excited to hear what else he can teach us.
0: Yeah, I think um, incredibly brave and original thinker who wasn't scared to put those ideas into action. And I think if, if you're a moonshotter who's tuning in, this, this uh, next hour is going to be all about delving into the way, the world of Tony Shea, of the success. Uh, and we're going to ask ourselves, how did he do it? Uh, And how might we do it too? Because that's what we do here. We learn out loud and we really are excited to celebrate the life of Tony Shay. And I think to to kick things off, I think what we'll do is we'll start with uh, a great clip that really kind of gives you a a sense of Tony and his life. So let's remember Tony Shea.
2: After graduating from college in 95, I went to work for Oracle in the Bay Area my college roommate we decided to start our own business and at the time the internet was just getting started we started a web design and marketing business during lunch hours I would go and make sales calls in the evenings at home we would create websites and then we realized that all these websites we were creating they didn't really have a way to market themselves and so that's what led us to start a service called link exchange we started hiring friends and That whole strategy of hiring friends and friends of friends worked really well until we got to about 20 people and then we basically ran out of friends. We had to start hiring people through resumes and interviewing and we also didn't know any better to pay attention to company culture and not everyone we hired was good for the culture and so by the time we got to 100 people I dreaded getting out of bed in the morning to go to my own company. And uh, that's really what led us to sell the company to Microsoft. We sold Link Exchange in 1998 for 265 million. I started making a list of all the things that I wanted to buy, and I re- realized that I didn't actually have that much on the list. I-, I was really more interested in helping build stuff. When I got involved with Zappos, I wanted to make sure that I didn't make the same mistake again. And so that's why from the beginning, Zappos uh, has always paid a lot of attention to company culture. Zappos was founded in 1999 in San Francisco. In 2004, we ended up moving the entire company to Las Vegas. We decided we wanted to build the Zappos brand to be about the very best customer service and customer experience. So we literally take thousands and thousands of phone calls every day. We view it as actually our best relationship building opportunity. Everyone's being inundated with thousands of marketing messages every day. When you have a phone call with someone, you actually get to connect with them one-on-one. One One of our core values at Zappos is to create fun and a little weirdness. We really recognize and celebrate each person's individuality, and we want their true personalities to shine in the workplace. Most people, they're a different person at home, on weekends, hanging out with their friends than they are in the office with coworkers. Ideally, you're the same person. your coworkers aren't just coworkers, but they're actual friends, not because we're forcing you to be friends, but because that's what you want because you have the same values. So you wanna make sure that the values still include enough room for diversity. I'm by default pretty introverted and quiet and shy. If I meet someone for the first time, I've gotten feedback that sometimes because I'm not talking as much, they think I secretly hate them or I'm judging them or whatever, whereas I'm just, shy I guess.
0: Hmm. Inspiring story from Tony Shea, who died
1: on Friday. Just a really nice full sweet clip for us to to kick off the show Mike. I mean there's a lot in there and we're going to really unpack a lot of these Hmm. concepts and thoughts and um, you know behaviors that Tony really brought out throughout all of the different companies that he was involved in but a couple of um, things that stand out to me straight off the bat is Mm. his focus on people, his focus on culture, you know, Mm. starting off right at the get-go of actually (laughs) a slightly different approach to what I think um, we all, I suppose, presume with with our work and career, is that he did start working with friends, you know, up to about the size of 20 individuals Mm. in the business. He was hiring people that he liked, that he knew, and... Perhaps the lesson here is um, you can actually work with friends because it does have that uh, fun, valuable relationship and trust. Mm. The trust exists between friends. I think that's what where Tony really, really focused a lot of his work in his career.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, that, that, that clip just gave us a bit of a whirlwind tour of all the great stuff uh, that, Um, well, actually not all of it. I think there's even more that we can add, but what for me stood out, Mark was, um, he, he's openly admitting I'm kind of a shy guy and you can hear in the style of his voice. He truly is an introvert. And I think that's also another incredibly brave thing that he did was get up and talk and and do interviews and, and sort of share his vision, even though by nature he was, Quite introverted, and so for me, it's just revealing another quality to Tony and and what he's achieved. And what I would propose to you and all of our listeners is, we've got a bunch of uh, clips that are going to go really deep into some of the ideas, some of the behaviours, some of the mindsets that Tony really um, showcased, which he celebrated. And I think this is just going to be a feast of original thinking, of courage. So I think strap yourselves in, ladies and gentlemen, because this, this is going to be a, a great ride into, I mean, what is almost a, a perfect little uh, addition to the teamwork series because of our people focus. But don't forget, there's a lot of thinking different to come in this show, isn't there, Mark?
1: Yeah, there really is. And, and in fact, Mike, I think the next clip that we can launch straight into is a good demonstration of exactly that. So like you say, Tony, a real introvert, you can hear from the softness of his, of his voice, um, but actually underneath all of that, um, I think there was this this value or this mindset within himself of challenging the way that we would normally go to work, structure companies and um, have those sort of hierarchies or tiers of, of management and so on within a business. Um, and what's quite interesting, as, as we'll explore through the rest of the show, is Tony's different approach to some of these. And this first clip, Mike, is um, something that's quite interesting, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about this. And it's Tony Shea explaining quite a different approach um, to structuring business, and that's all about holacracy. So this next clip is going to be Tony Shea telling us about holacracy.
2: So it's interesting because uh, it, it's... The headlines have talked about no hierarchy, and that's actually not true. There still is a hierarchy. The difference is, in a typical organization, it's a hierarchy of people. Mm-hmm. And he, in, under Holacracy, it's a hierarchy of purpose. And so there's a purpose for the company, and and, and and that's called the general company circle. And then within the circle, there's roles and multiple sub-circles, and then it ca- kind of cascades down to that. And the other interesting thing is in a, now imagine this hierarchy of multiple circles and within each circle there are roles. You for example can fill roles in maybe seven different circles that each has its own separate purpose. And so there still is a hierarchy, but it might be, you might be a lead link of, if you and I were in the same circle, you might be a lead link of that circle and another circle, I might be lead link. And so it allows employees to really be involved in different areas of the company versus just being pigeonholed into their one specific job function. And so the ultimate goal is for employees to really find that intersection between what they're passionate about, what they're good at, and what's going to move the company forward. So that, that's
0: pretty fascinating, this lead link concept. What is the lead link? What's the definition of that? So How do we think
2: about that? In a, so it's basically a, uh, a manager in a typical company has you know, wrapped up in the title of manager are a lot of different responsibilities, including uh, basically setting strategy, resource allocation, uh, role assignment, and hiring, firing, and so on. And Lead Link is a very specific subset of that, which is basically role assignment. So within your circle, you can actually tap the entire company of, in our case, 1,500, 1,600 employees and decide who you want to offer those roles to, but you actually don't have the power to hire or fire uh, any employee. It's, it's basically, you can add them to a role or move, move, remove them from a role. Uh, and so it, it's very, and they may, it may just turn out that they're not passionate about that role or they're not a good fit for that role. And then that employee is kind of a free agent and there's 500 circles to go explore to you know, find the best fit.
0: Well, what you can see there, Mark, is he is so prepared to change the construct, this age-old top-down construct of management and structure and tip it all upside down. I mean, this idea of holacracy, which he has really inspired, has been, um, it's been bandied around now for, for several years. Some companies have tried and failed. Some companies have won. But I think what we can learn here is you can, you can see how what he's proposing is so different to the way of traditionally working and how comfortable he is. You can hear in his voice, he's just so comfortable because of the logic to his own argument. Now, I'm not saying that holacracy is for everyone and it certainly hasn't worked for everyone, but what we can learn here is how genuinely prepared he was to think different.
1: That's that's totally right. You know, he's not um, necessarily saying here, right, everybody go out and do this. This is the ultimate way of of achieving success. But you're right. He's challenging, um, you know, the the perhaps more traditional setup and just giving it a go, you know, (laughs) giving it a go, exploring uh, maybe a new, uh, slightly more flexible structure. Like you say, some have tried it um, and and some businesses it hasn't worked. So therefore it's not necessarily the answer, but what's wonderful as a demonstration of Tony himself you're right this is just showing his you know unique take and and his ability as a moonshotter to try and create something new and think originally
0: which is very Elon Musk as well Elon is very comfortable entertaining ideas to um with profound effect but he can be so comfortable to what is often contrarian or what we discovered in the Elon show, even some of his childhood heroes are literally talking smack about his ideas and he's still stuck with them. I think this is this idea to think big and have the courage to see it through. I think this is a big lesson for all moonshotters, right?
1: Yeah, it totally is. You've got to get out and, and try something new, think big, think different, and, and be original like Adam Grant would say. And actually, Mike, this next clip that we've got is another great demonstration of Tony's approach to thinking differently and um, exploring new, innovative directions and you know, uh, thinking outside the box, perhaps. So this next clip is, uh, again, as Tony's thinking differently, a little bit more about bringing ideas uh, to life. So this is Tony telling us a little bit about doing Thought experiments.
2: I always like doing these uh, thought experiments, and, and so uh, one way to think about it is if uh, if money were no issue, if you had infinite money, what would you do? Or, or the counter to it is if everything was free, or if this one thing was free, then what would you do differently? And, and so I think uh, that can help spark the initial ideas. And then once you kind of have the crazy out there idea, then you work backwards and make it more into reality. For example, a lot of comp- startup tech companies have problems hiring tech talent. So what if there's a line out the door of amazing engineers, then what would you do differently? And then that might shift the thinking into, OK, how do we get a line out the door of, of really talented engineers? And and, and make that the problem, the real problem that you're trying to tackle. Or, or actually, back to Zappos history, uh, in the early days, we had trouble hiring people that were really good buyers and good at merchandising. Initially, the front problem was framed as how do we go and recruit more uh, talented buyers, but then we reframed it as, well, how do we, the only way we can guarantee kind of an endless supply of talented buyers is if we, basically grow and train them ourselves. And so now we have a program where we hire people that are entry level and within three to five years they have the potential to become a senior leader within the company.
0: Ooh uh, yeah this one is really good like for everybody listening right now, this this is where I think we can do a lot of learning. This is where I think we can all, you know, get a little Tony Shay going on. Um, so for me, what I love is how he changes the question. He, he sort of says, take all your constraints away and like think about the perfect situation and then re-engineer from that rather than getting all locked up in the the problem that you're experiencing in the here and now. Try and think long-term, think about your objective, think about nirvana or heaven, do a thought experiment and almost backwards engineer from there i i think this is a huge lesson for all of us on how we can think like tony what do you think matt
1: look I, I think whenever i've had challenges with um work or, or home life you know you sort of do get stuck spinning wheels in the mud you know right i just cannot mm. get past this particular problem i can't answer this question um and one of the i think Fantastic ways that Tony is showing us uh, that original thinking approach to answering potential challenges at work and in home is exactly as you say, reframe the question, think about it in a different way. So, I think what he's saying here is okay, well, we couldn't find the right buyers, therefore we thought about it differently. And we realized that the best way of bringing in good value, good culture, good working work ethic is to train mm-hmm. them ourselves. That's a wonderful way of rethinking that avenue, that challenge, you know, moving around the structure and looking up up mm-hmm. at it differently and thinking, okay, well, how do we scale this? How do we think about it differently? I think that's a really good lesson or demonstration of how do I take this work problem? Uh, there's a roadblock in the way. How do I get past that? It's yeah. rethinking it differently.
0: Yeah. So, um... Let's let's do a little bit of a deep dive on this because I, I actually think what we have been very fortunate to do is to actually find um, from the uh, original thinking piece of what Tony offers us, I think we found one of the key tools he used, which is thought experiments. And um, I want to give you a few examples of thought experiments and let's see which ones we really think work well. So let's imagine um, that we're... Uh, planning to launch a brand new product or a brand new company, one of the things you can do is uh, like we often get very excited as founders of companies and so forth. And so we can have a real bias. We drink our own Kool-Aid and there's not enough critical thinking going on. One of the things you can do is use the the thought experiment called rip it to pieces which is where you just take the opposite point of view that this is the worst idea you've ever heard and then try and deconstruct your idea from a negative point of view because what that might do is it might reveal um, uh, some weaknesses in your thinking that you can therefore make stronger. So that's the first one I've got for you. Another one, Mark, and then I want you to give me some feedback on these. Another one you can do is you can say, I want you to imagine we get put out of business by a competitor in three years. So we're in three years from now. We've just been, we've closed the door, hung up the shingle, everything's done. We totally got guzzummed by a competitor. What did they do to beat us?
1: Yeah, that's such a good one. And it's so, (laughs) it's confrontational, isn't it? It's a a bit uncomfortable to think like that, but it's so valuable because- you can then start to see the, the chinks in the armor and those weak links, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So um, all of these are sort of uh, kind of thought experiments. One that is really classic, Tony Shay, is the decade test. Essentially, um, where 10 years from now. You write a, a New York Times uh, article celebrating your success. Mm. What are the things they would really call out about your success. What state is the business in that it is so successful? And then ask yourself, well, what do we need to do? No constraints. What would need to be true for that to happen? That's a very, very good one because, Mark, you and I both know nobody thinks long-term anymore.
1: I love that one, (laughs) the decade (laughs) test. That's great, yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, you're right. Nobody thinks long-term because we're all trying to get over today's problem or yesterday's issue instead of thinking, okay, well, how can we grow? How do we keep an eye on the bigger picture? How do we build that resilience in ourselves as well as the business mm-hmm. in order to get over this problem as well as the future problem. And that mm-hmm. decade test is a great one because you have to, you know, remove yourself from the current issues. Oh, look, the, uh, I've got a crazy meeting coming up or an email or whatever it is. And instead thinking, okay, well, what about the business itself? How do we want to, where do we want to be in 10 years or where do we think we might be and how are people responding to us in 10 years? That's a that's a really good little uh, experiment. I like that.
0: Yeah, and I, I I think what the real moment of liberation here is as we get into these is that I think that we have the habit of solving problems which are really just symptoms of something bigger. So we might say, oh, okay, um, we can't hire the right people, so let's do more ads. Whereas what you can see, Tony was like, well, maybe it's so the, the kind of people we want are so scarce, maybe we need to create them. So maybe it's about an internship program or a graduate program rather than actually hiring more. So what, what I think is really important is um, by saying there are no constraints time, money, effort, all that, it's all gone. What would need to be true? Even as it sounds ridiculous that you that you had a hundred amazing people in this very rare skill on your team. But what would need to be true for that to happen? And then it all it kind of helps you um get over your bias, your assumptions uh about what's possible and what's not. And I think I don't know, Matt, I think that is where the original thinking comes from. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I I think so too. I think if we if we go back to our Adam Grant series, all about original thinkers and, and how to, uh, you know, think originally and differently from others, I think those ex- thought experiments, those challenges, or those different ways of, of approaching a problem um, are exactly where Adam Grant was was leading us. So remove yourself from the here and now. Think about if, you know, there were no issues such as money or resources and so on. And imagine where you could get to um, Mm. is, is a, is a, is an uh, an approach. I think that Adam Grant would agree with what I also thought that you mentioned earlier, which is another great one is to take the opposite point of view and rebuild it from scratch. So thinking about it from, as we might say, the devil's advocate or the negative Response, maybe your think is your competitor. How are they going to tear you down? Or how might they be intimidated by your product? Mm. Thinking about it removed entirely from the business constraints right now, that I think is the original thinking trait, right?
0: That's right. That's right. And it reminds me of Ray Dalio, who we've covered on the show. He's got some really great original thinking practices as well. So for all of our listeners, you should definitely check out him as well as Adam Grant. And let's not forget, we are here and celebrating the life of Tony Shea, who was just a brave and courageous thinker. And I think This idea of thought experiments, I really do think this is one of the big takeaways from the show. I think that if you are um, excited about this idea uh, and all these tools you can use for thinking differently, I think it just starts with questions like what if, how might we, and really freeing, liberating yourself from the constraints of time and money of the here and now, and really thinking towards the future and then re-engineering back from from nirvana
1: or from heaven pretty good fun right mate a lot of fun i mean remember there's nothing more exciting mike and giving it a go (laughs) you know trying something new much like tony did with Zappos, um doing these huge large scale experiments to see whether it works it's pretty risky for sure you know yeah but it's it's certainly an interesting way to to learn about the um the sector, learn about people mm. as well as a business and see what happens. So I think that's, mm. that's, a lo- that's where I see a lot of the courage of Tony coming through because he had the, the confidence to to implement something like Holacracy, as we heard a couple of clips ago, and trying to see whether it worked. That's, that's a real um, radical way of approaching it, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely, but that's not uh, the only uh, inspiration and learning we can do with Tony Shay. In a moment, we're going to delve deep into uh, all dimensions of people, talent, and culture, um, because this is one of the other big gifts that we can take from Shani, from Tony. But talking about uh, you know amazing customer experiences, this is what Zappos is known for. But I think here at the Moonshells Podcast, the wow in our customer experience is really unpacking uh amazing innovators, entrepreneurs, and really trying to learn out loud together. And Mark, I think we need a little help on this journey. Don't we don't we need to call upon the help from our thousands of listeners?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it would be fair for you and I to always um get online. And do shows without consulting you, our listeners. We love hearing from all of you. We love it when we receive um, comments on social media, emails, or even contacts via our website. And trust me, we review and reply to absolutely all of them. So, listeners, here is our big call out. Here's our Tony Shay moment. We want to hear from you guys. Please navigate away to www.moonshots.io to find not only our huge archive of 104 shows previous to Tony Shea. We've got all of our shows as well as all our show notes as well as transcripts. You can find links to all of our social channels. You can find our contact form. You can email us at hello at moonshots.io and you can also leave us a little bit of your suggestions. There's Mm. a feedback box, feedback area within moonshots.io where you, our listeners, can let us know what you like, and what you'd like us to cover next? What innovators are you all thinking and being inspired by that you'd like us to go and learn out loud with as well?
0: Yeah. And, um, uh, we got a, um, uh, one of our listeners actually sent in, um, uh, literally, I think, uh, in the last day or so we got another one and, uh, this listener said they loved, uh, James, James Collins, Jim Collins, uh, and Brené Brown. And here's what uh, the listener said, because they really went in depth into behavioral drivers of success and successful leadership. Um, So that was really great uh, to all of our listeners. We really, really appreciate uh, when we get this feedback, we've had feedback from other people when they are nominating new people for us to study. They like it when we do unusual people, not necessarily always the Simon Cynics of this world. That's great too. And we really want to encourage you to tell us the people that you want to learn from because, you know, chances are we're going to love learning from them too. So everybody wins. So don't forget to head over to moonshots.io and tell us who you would like us to do. Next. because there is so many people out in the world that we can learn from, Mark. And I tell you who's really into people, and that is Tony Shea, right?
1: You're totally right. We've just heard a couple of clips around uh Tony Shea really thinking differently, telling us about holacracy as well as, you know, what inspires him with thought experiments. Um, but the other side of him, as he caught out in that first clip, we heard he was quite introverted. He hired a lot of his, his friends at the beginning, and I think. As an individual, as a leader, a people leader, he was all about customers as well as employees. So this next, these next few clips, Mike, we're going to hear about Tony Shea telling us about the power of people. And this first clip from Tony is about customers. So he was very, very obsessed with creating the best experience for customers. And this first clip we're going to hear is about creating the wow experience.
2: These are some of the questions that we ask ourselves in terms of thinking about how to deliver great customer service. And we internally use the word wow when thinking about uh, how we should treat customers, but we use it as a verb. We, we talk about how do we wow our customers and also how do we wow our employees and the vendors that we work with. And it starts with the policies you see on our website. We offer free shipping both ways, so a lot of people will order 10 different pairs of shoes, try them on in the comfort of their living room with 10 different outfits, and then send back the ones that don't fit or they don't like, and we encourage that type of behavior. Uh, we have a 365-day return policy for people that I guess have trouble committing or making up their minds, and uh, you know, they can take a while to uh, to return products. And you know, most websites, it's very hard to find contact information. Usually it's buried five links deep in Uh, Maybe it's an email address. You can only email once. Whereas for us, we take the exact opposite approach. We put our 1-800 number on the top of every single page of our website because we actually want to talk to our customers. And it's funny because sometimes I'll be speaking at a branding or marketing conference and. There's a lot of discussion about consumers being bombarded with thousands and thousands of marketing messages every day. How do you get your message to stand out? How do you get your brand to stand out? And you know, should they be investing millions of dollars in this 30-second uh, Super Bowl ad that people may or may not be paying attention to? Or should they be leveraging the latest in the social media fad? And for us, as kind of low-tech and unsexy as it may sound, we found that the telephone is actually one of the best branding devices out there. because. We have the customer's undivided attention for five to 10 minutes, and if we get the interaction right, we find that the customers remember that for a very long time and tell their friends and family about us. And we run our call center very differently from most call centers. We don't have scripts. uh, We don't have this concept of average handle time, which most call centers have, which is all about how quickly can you get the customer off the phone in the name of being more efficient. But we're not trying to maximize for efficiency. We're trying to maximize for the customer experience. And we don't upsell. And so going back to the no-call time, I actually just got an email last night. A new record was set for the longest phone call ever. It was uh, eight hours and three minutes long, (laughs) so yeah. I don't know how the bathroom situation worked out for that one, but so. And it may seem weird that for us, we're an internet company, 95% of our sales go through the website. So why do we focus so much on the telephone? And what we found is actually, on average, almost every customer calls us at least once sometime during their lifetime. And it's actually usually not to place an order. Uh, Most of our phone calls do not result in orders. It might be their first time going through the returns process and they just need help stepping through the process of printing out the return label. Uh, for the first time or maybe they have a wedding over the weekend and they just want some fashion advice and I think we have some customers that call us because they're lonely and we'll um, (laughs) We'll talk to them as well. So So that's our call center and then for our warehouse. We actually run it very differently from most warehouses as well most warehouses uh, they let the orders pile up so that when the picker needs to walk around, there's higher picking density, more efficient, doesn't need to walk as far. For us, we run our warehouse 24-7, which is not the most efficient way to run a warehouse. Uh, and, but we're not trying to maximize for efficiency, and because we run it 24-7, and because our warehouse is located in Kentucky, right next to the UPS hub, And because we do these surprise upgrades to overnight shipping for a lot of most of our repeat loyal customers, when you combine all three of those things, a lot of customers order as late as midnight Eastern time, and the shoes show up on their doorstep eight hours later when they're expecting it a week later. And that creates that whole emotional response we're trying to elicit in that wow experience that causes them to remember us for a very long time and tell their friends and family about us.
0: Wow. I mean, do you know, Mark, the funniest thing is I had one of the worst customer experiences of recent times just a week ago and um, it was everything Tony was calling out as being Mm -hmm. evil. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was uh, switching internet providers at home and um, I actually uh, could not speak to a human uh, at the uh, uh, previous provider, even though they're the biggest telecommunications provider in Australia, they would not accept calls. So they literally said, please go and use our chat and the uh, voice message would then hang up the phone call. Can you imagine? There's no like, oh, press option, press two for for speaking to a representative. They literally hang up and then they spent an hour in the chat trying to upsell me. They took 20 minutes to come back to me to verify my credentials in a chat. Um, And I listened to what Tony's talking about and the power once again to do things differently Um, He he spoke about the eight-hour call. Well, uh, apparently, subsequently to that, there was one that went for 10 hours. Um, And what you can see here is he understood what really drove long-term customer engagement, customer satisfaction, and happiness. And he was prepared to do different things like free shipping both ways, uh, running the factory and the distribution centers in a not-so-efficient way. Because he knew it would drive the biggest single thing, customer happiness. This, for me, is brave original thinking in practice. I think it's so inspiring, Mark.
1: I mean, the, the fascinating thing about um, Tony's approach here is they aren't immediate business rewards or or. You know, it's not saving Zappos as a business any money. It's not saving them work. It's not really mm. driving for business efficiency. Instead, mm. it's putting the customer at the heart of what they do. Yeah, they had this benchmark that they were driving every single day, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day in the warehouse. You know, this is this is Tony really pushing the boundaries here. And what happened was these this wonderful um, word of mouth. Um, advocacy that happened around Zappos that you just couldn't replicate, I think, in any other way. Mm. You know, mm. one of the things that stood out to me in that clip was that their phone service became their best form of marketing. Their best way of, of raising awareness for the brand to existing customers as well as new ones was their phone service. Mm. On the website, nothing that they were doing from a paid media perspective Instead, we just are treating our customers as, as human beings, giving them what we need, or, uh, you know, we would want from our brands. We're behaving in the same mm. way, and and that's great. You know, you've yeah. had this terrible experience with customer service recently, Mike. So have I, actually, funnily enough. This year has been a very tricky one from a customer service perspective <laughs> for many brands, I'm sure. Yeah. But, you know, with, with Tony at the helm of, of Zappos here, what you can already start to see as this sort of ideal customer world where everybody's treated equally and fairly. And it's, it's almost like a good call to action, this. This is what it, it is. should be.
0: It is. And, and I think the lesson inside of this is the, the thought is very original because what he talked about is everybody does things in a cost efficient way which doesn't lead to customer happiness because he's prioritized customer happiness. There's a certain set of things that should be done. Even if they are contradictory to best practice or so-called de facto standards, he's prepared to do it differently. And, um, I, I just, I really want us all just to embrace. This is the, the great thing about Tony. He doesn't only think differently. He has the capacity to put it into action. And I think, um, this is uh this is should be so celebrated because much like um uh Elon Musk uh, who has brave audacious ideas but you know Elon will sleep on the couch at Tesla just to make sure those cars really do ship and i think it's such a powerful lesson for us all when you have these big ideas um that's not job done it's also getting them uh Getting the the ideas into life, making them happen, and making them happen is not only about the thinking, it's not only about customers, but it's also about having the right people. And you know what? Tony Shea has even got thoughts on this. So let's have a listen now to what Tony Shea thinks about hiring the right people.
2: Company culture was always important, and myself and Fred and I interviewed, everyone when we were still in San Francisco, uh, and, and basically until we couldn't do that anymore because there were too many employees to interview, but but basically we wanted to, we had we had this criteria of, you know, yes, interview for the normal business technical stuff. But did they meet the bar? Right. Technically? So, so do the normal set of interviews, but then you kind of had this final test of, like, is this someone I would choose to hang out with or grab a drink with and if the answer was if we weren't in business together if the answer was no then we wouldn't hire them so that goes against a lot of the things that you know i've heard out there uh in the past it's like keep your work and personal relationships separate you know like that's kind of been like a thing that's been stated out there like there should be this firewall between the two but you went in and said okay it's very important that i can actually get along with this person this is a someone i could go out and have a beer with why was that so important to you? Um, I guess I have two answers to that. One is, yes, there are companies that focus on work-life separation or work-life balance, and at Zappos, we really focus on work-life integration, and you know, at the end of the day, it's just life, so you might as... And especially if you spend so much time at work, like you better hopefully enjoy the time that you're spending there and mm-hmm. the people that you're with, so that's one answer. And then the other answer is and I don't think the book existed at the time Zappos was founded but uh, Jim Collins uh, his book Good to Great researched Mm -hmm. and looked at what separated the great companies in terms of long term financial performance from just the good ones or mediocre ones and found that the great ones had two important ingredients that separated them from just the good ones or mediocre ones and one of them was that they all had strong cultures and um, and you know, we formalized the definition of our culture into we have 10 core values at Zappos. And one of the actually really interesting things I found from the research was that it actually doesn't matter what your values are. What matters is that you have them and that you align the organization around them. And the power actually comes from the alignment, not from the actual values. So there's no judgment in the values. Mm-hmm. And so we're not out there... Uh, Telling people, oh, you should adopt the Zappos values and culture and and so on. Because actually that would probably not work in most cases. where our message is more you should figure out what your values are and then align the entire organization around.
1: Oh, that was a good meaty clip, Mike. (laughs) It was it was. (laughs) was, That's so much good stuff. Um I I feel as though once again, Tony Shea's demonstrating to us in that clip. Why he belongs in this moonshotting space? You know, he's <laughs> he's coming out with so much consistency with what you and I uh, learn from these innovators uh, in every That's episode. Right. You know, uh, I, Mark. I just, Mark. He he was talking about Jim Collins right I in know, the middle, right? I I, can't, I I I'm I'm almost struggling to put it into into words. I'm becoming a, a real fanboy of, of Tony Shay. Um, <laughs> I think there's. You know, if we if we try and break it down from the very beginning what i think is really valuable reminding ourselves within that clip is this consistency with uh, actually patrick lencioni's ideal team player you want to be able to get on with the people that you work with if you want to go and grab a drink or whether you want to help um them move house <laughs> whatever it is that's a great demonstration of um the right alignment from a personal relationship perspective and i think that builds nicely into this uh work life integration idea. Mm. What did you think about that mike?
0: Uh well i think you know once again he's showing traditionally you never mixed uh, personal and work, right?
1: Mm. Uh
0: they it was you would almost be someone else. Yeah. Um yeah. which is quite interesting isn't it? um as a as a concept that you would actually be someone else when obviously you're not somebody else you're still the same person i love the idea of and i think jeff bezos speaks to this as well the idea of work and life being totally separate things is so not true you cannot spend 40 plus hours a week doing a thing and saying it has no relationship to what i do with the other Uh, days of the week or when I get home from work. It just doesn't work. They've got to be able to work together. They've got to be natural partners in life itself. How have you found, you know, this idea of trying to have what Tony Shea would call work-life integration?
1: I I think this year is a really good opportunity for for all of us to take a look at that. You know, for me, my past few years in my career have been quite um, international, I suppose Mm -hmm. you could say. A lot of remote working, a lot of managing uh, clients and customers in different time zones. And that, you know, sometimes means you do calls at funny hours and, you know, the the flow is a little bit less traditional than a, a typical nine to five. I think this year, uh, of 2020 has forced a lot of businesses into a similar uh, concept of flexibility or a dynamic working day. And I think all of us have now experienced this this question of, okay, well, what is my work-life balance? Mm. And mm. I think where Tony Shay's taking us here is, okay, well, maybe remove the pressure of considering when do I stop working or when do I start? And instead of thinking, okay, well, how do I just allow it to integrate with my um, happiness with my productivity and efficiency in my day? How do I get the stuff, uh, the important stuff done, my like family at the same time as getting my work life going? Yeah. And you,
0: you start to see how it might come together because if you're working with good folks and you're working hard to make your clients happy, then it doesn't have that traditional burden of oh, it's work, right? Um, and I think this comes back to a lot that we learned from Simon Sinek. I mean, you can feel better today if you know the stuff that you're doing each day is connected to, related to part of you achieving your purpose. And um, then you get all sorts of magic when you're doing your thing, which is to realize your purpose, but that actually is has some shared value for the organization from which you work because then the company is realizing its purpose and as are you and it's all good in the world. And just to top it off, you're helping the customer achieve their purpose as well. But all of this, Mark, I would propose to you comes down not just to companies and teams and customers, but it comes down to the capacity of the individual, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it really does. And this next clip is, is now moving, um, uh, I suppose, pulling out the microscope, isn't it, Mike? You know, we've, we've mm. learned about mm. customers. We've just heard about um, hiring the right people or getting the right people on the bus, as we uh, Jim as we, Collins. Uh, learned. Uh, exactly. Um, and now thinking about ourselves. So as we work with uh, teamwork, uh, teams and uh, colleagues and individuals around the world, how do we um, really turn the microscope uh, down into that person's DNA? So this next clip from Tony Shea is telling us how we should celebrate each person's individuality.
2: One of our interview questions is, on a scale one to 10, how weird are you? And uh, you know, if you're one, you might be a little bit too straight-laced for the Zappos culture, 10, maybe a little bit too psychotic for us. Um, but really, it's not so much the number that we care about, it's uh, how they answer, because our belief is that Everyone is a little weird somehow, and this is really more just a fun way of saying that we really recognize and celebrate each person's individuality, and we want their true personalities to come out and shine in the workplace. You know, there's so many people where they're a different person uh, at home on weekends versus when they're inside the office, and people in corporate America leave a little bit of themselves, or in a lot of cases, a big part of themselves at home. And we really strive to create an environment where people are just comfortable being themselves. So instead of worrying about work-life separation, it's about work-life integration, where it's just the same person. And uh, you know, not only are you comfortable being yourself, but when you connect with your coworkers, it's not just coworker relationships, but true friendships that end up forming, where you would choose to hang out with these people even if you weren't working at the same company together.
0: Yeah, I love the uh, I love the idea of trying to get people just to relax a bit and just be who they are naturally. You know, like I remember in my early career, like you're so conscious of the archetype you're trying to be, right? You're trying to be a bit more grown up than you really are. And I think somehow traditional working cultures um, do create this sort of, um, I don't know, they create these false personas that we get so busy trying to be that, that we sort of withhold what, what I think is the sad part, the real magic is when we can just be the very best version of ourselves and, and not pretend to be anything else. And I feel like he's really kind of lifting the curtain on this one and, and just I love the invitation, just try and be yourself, accept yourself for who you are, be who you are, be the best version. Of who you are. And I think that's really great advice to you, Matt.
1: Yeah, it's a great call to action, really. Um, you know, as exactly to your point, I think there's a lot of bravado or a lot of um, masking of, mm. of your character in order to become more confident or, or to almost do your own private thought experiment and think, okay, well, I'll just put on a grin and get through it, I'll, I'll power through it. Um, and actually what Tony's saying here is, hey, look, if you want to be happy, if you want to enjoy yourself, work with those with, with individuals that you'd mm. have friendships with. And I think that's a really valuable reminder, isn't it? You know, instead of kind of grimacing just to get through the day think, okay, well, how can I um, enjoy my day? How can I help somebody else, one of my colleagues have a good day mm. themselves? And, and through doing that much like interacting with your friends or your family by treating your colleagues almost in the same way I feel as though that's going to be a pretty nice day for all of us
0: yeah yeah and I, I I think um you know after the year that we've had in 2020 I think this um celebration of uh and this giving this permission if you will to be yourself and and just to um show the very best version of yourself I think is great a great advice so i mean that's a ton of stuff that we've just unpacked around people like the obsession with the customer experience at whatever the cost because it actually drives growth in the end the the real search to hire the right people and to really see people as individuals i mean on top of the fact that we talked about this really original thinking and thought experience i mean that is a big bucket of learning for us today isn't
1: it yeah the one for me that really stood out is, is this uh, reference that Tony had in, in um, one of the earlier clips around company values. And we mm. didn't actually dig into it, Mike, but I'd, I'd like to, to bring this up just before we move into our, sure. our, our sort of outro. It's the fact that you don't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily matter what the company values are specifically. It's that oh, you yeah. have them in place. Because mm. once you've got alignment of all of the team uh, players, all of the colleagues, working towards that one goal that's what matters
0: well i would do a build on that and say he made a very specific reference to organizing to those values
1: Mm.
0: not just having them but then you organize around them so if you say you're about the wow customer experience he demonstrated that they were really doing that um so it's a question of not only having them, but organizing to those.
1: I like Because that. that's
0: where mission and the clarity and the, everything builds from there.
1: Yeah. Well, Mike, we've actually got just one more clip from Mr. Tony Shea, And this one I feel is going to be a really great way to close out the show because it's exactly that. It's about values and it's keeping one organizing thought at the center of everything that you do as a as a team player as well as a leader as well as a colleague as well as a business and this final clip mike is tony shea and our friend simon sinek talking about finding tony shea's
3: why a lot of people in your position and i've talked to a few who who are in your position um, um more visionary leaders, more sort of evolved way they think about business. And I say, do you know what your why is? They go, yeah, I know. I'm like, well, have you ever tried to put it into words? They're like, don't need to. They're, I'm like, why? Like Everybody knows. There's this assumption, because it's crystal clear to you in your gut, that it's automatically crystal clear to everybody. And it's not always. Well,
2: that's why we had lunch together. That's so, why we had lunch so, together. Um, Yeah, and so it wasn't a formal session, but because uh, you do these discover your why workshops for companies humans and humans, companies, companies yeah. and uh, and so we were just talking over lunch and uh, and he was asking me about my earliest childhood memory or, mm-hmm. or something like that mm-hmm. and uh, I actually was born in Illinois and moved to California when I was five, but the only uh, memory I really have is like catching these fireflies in mason jars at night and then Basically that was like my portable
3: flashlight. Thing. And the question that I asked when you told me the story is, of all the amazing and wonderful, beautiful things that you did as a child, what do you think was, is it about that memory that stands out to you? What is, what is it that makes that memory, why would you even tell, what, what, what is so important about that memory that you would tell me about that now?
2: Or then? Um, because you asked what the earliest
3: memory no, was. No, I know. <laughs> but, you, but, but there were many other things that happened and you chose to tell that one. Uh, what, what is it about that one that stands out to you? That makes it special. I think
2: it was just the. Um, I don't know, like fireflies are already cool; they do their things. But then this was a way of like creating or inventing. In my mind, I had invented it, and no one else had ever done that before. And so uh, it was just, I don't know, created some fun. Why,
3: and here's why I ask questions like that because. Because how Tony sees the world and how we all see the world, we are products of our upbringing. We're products of the experiences we had when we were young that make us who we are, and that it f- forms our worldview. And so, if you, Tony, when he is at his best, and more importantly, the organization that he that he's trying to help build, is he sees everybody as a firefly. He sees the entire world as people with bright lights. He doesn't distinguish. Um, you know, who are the bright ones and who are the dim ones. Everybody has a bright light and everybody's out there doing their thing. And what Zappos is, is a container for bright lights. And if you can build... Uh, if you can build, if you can take all these wonderful fireflies that are all by themselves beautiful and fantastic, but if you put them in a container where all of their brightness comes together, you create a flashlight. You can actually light a path for somebody else. And, I, and I, I firmly believe that when you are at your best, that is what you are doing with Zappos. Zappos is the jar, and the people that are in, in this company, which is all of you, you are lighting a path, not only for the people you serve internally, the people you serve externally, but you're showing the rest of us how a business should be built. And if, quite frankly, you are doing the exact same thing now as you were doing when you were five. Yeah, and um, well, thank you for that. I didn't realize that. That had so much meaning. So. Um. And and it now then because of the why, Tony's why is actually the why of the company, and he and I debated this. It is now everyone's job that all of you not only fireflies in the jar that we call zappos, but every single one of you has a responsibility to build a jar yourselves and find the fireflies to put in whether they're customers you're talking to and you create a bright light together, or they're fellow team members in your circles. Like the Everybody has to take responsibility for the maintenance of the jar and make sure that all of the, the, the fireflies inside are burning bright. So we all have a macro and micro responsibility.
0: Holy smoke. You just saw Simon Sinek reveal one of the most amazing people's why. How good was that? Tony Shea, Simon Sinek, it just happened, Mark.
1: Yeah, uh, it's just such a nice... Um Little experience for, for, for Tony Shea as well as all, all of the, the Zappos crew to, to be a part of, right? It's, it's inventing the why himself, you know, thinking about everybody or every opportunity as a firefly and, and revealing that that's actually what's been driving Tony Shea mm. forever through each of those different businesses we heard about through heroing individuals and celebrating people and culture and customers. I mean, that's Simon doing his best, right?
0: It really, really is, and what a fantastic way to bring together an almighty show, looking at someone who was just so special, Tony Shay. May he rest in peace. What a, what a, so much to learn, Mark. So much to learn.
1: It's been a fantastic episode. I've thoroughly enjoyed um, learning from from Tony, and and I thank him for having the courage and the confidence to go out and give all of these different thought models and and, and uh, frameworks a go.
0: Mm. So what changes if you could pick one of the things we touched on today what's what's changed you the most what made you
1: go whoop? I think the reminder that customers are at the heart or should be at the heart of of what mm. everybody is doing you know I I navigated to the Zappos website at the top of the screen, you've still got their customer service number. It sits right up there, ready for mm, anybody to pick up the phone and go and do. That for me brilliant. is, is again, just a great reminder of, hey, you're not serving. You're not trying to serve yourself necessarily. You're serving your customers. So go out there and give them the best service possible.
0: Yeah. And in service to Our customers, you, our listeners, we've got a rising star series coming for the next four shows, Mark. Who have we got in our rising stars?
1: We've got some hugely popular as well as amazing innovators. We've got Michelle Obama, the first lady. We've got the Iceman himself, Mr. Wim Hof. We've got the man who just cannot be stopped, Mr. David Goggins, (laughs) and a man who's going to remind us all about keeping good habits, Mr. James Clear the four individuals in our Rising Star series. I'm excited, Mike.
0: Yeah, and we thought that those those four would be really great, not only because we got so much positive feedback about those shows, but we felt that they were perfect for kind of the end of year, start of year kind of thing where you might be doing some reflecting and you might be recharging a little bit and getting ready to launch at 2021. So I really do encourage you all to get those shows and whether you're out on a walk or uh, snuggling up in uh, the Norman Hemisphere in wintertime, it doesn't matter. I think each of those four people have something to teach us, don't they, Mark?
1: Yep, we're going to learn a lot of good stuff and we're going to be reminded of uh, some of the key lessons and frameworks and innovation approaches that each of those individuals had. I, I can't wait, Mike.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, I tell you what was good stuff was hanging out with you, Mark. Thank you for being part of this show. It was, uh, it was quite a lot in Tony
1: Shea, wasn't there? A lot of uh, great lessons, frameworks, approaches to customers as well as people. Really yeah. focusing on that is, is what Tony Shea did best. And yeah. uh, I think it's fantastic that we got a chance to really dig into his, his career yes. as well as his key ideologies.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you to you, Mark. And thank you to you, our listeners, for celebrating the life of Tony Shea, founder of Zappos, because this journey really started with him teaching us how to think differently. And that's really no small feat. It's a very courageous thing. So if you want to go out and make those ideas happen, you have to do radical, brave, and audacious things. And it comes down to one simple thing, It's about the people. It's about wowing customers. It's about hiring the right teams. And most most importantly, they're made up of individuals. So let's celebrate the individuals so that all of us, every single one of us can be the very best of ourselves. We can be the very best version of ourselves because in the end, as Tony Shea would say, we're all lighting the path because we're all fireflies. So that's it from the Moonshots podcast.
3: That's a wrap.